0: Dear Heavenly Father, once again, as we gather together on a Thursday night, we ask that you would do what we cannot and help us to learn from your word, encourage us in your spirit and teach us the things which are yet to come. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You need a copy. Maybe, Andrew, you just pass those out if they haven't been passed out and what we are trying to do in our time tonight is to finish the um, uh, the dispensational trek or outline of of the Bible, and, and we just use that name because it, it is a word that is used in the Bible, and uh, we are trying to uh, get all of these things so that. God put this information in the Bible so that we can understand things that have yet to happen. We find ourselves in the dispensation of grace or the church age. And if you'll basically start at the very bottom of the first page there, you have a Roman numeral one dispensation one innocence uh, that is from creation to the fall of man. And we do not know the time period there. But God reveals Himself as the Creator. He reveals Himself as the Giver of Law. Uh, many of these things, God founds marriage. And one of the questions that, uh, we, uh, that I, I just like to bring up is even in the Aboriginal, uh, and tribal societies, there still is marriage. And uh, where where did that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from, Genesis chapter one and two and three. Uh, as God explained these things, it was built into man. We have people who want to erase gender. Um, I had no idea that uh, someone said uh, our our dear representative from uh, uh, Queens here that's making all the national headlines said that uh, gender. Identification is is purely a choice, and uh, I, I don't. I'm. I knew there were problems, but I didn't know there were that many. Uh, uh, but uh, the uh, uh, the simple truth of the matter is, there are differences. They are very apparent, and aren't you glad? Uh, do not into the sixties. Uh, They wrote the book about uh, women are from Venus and men are from Mars or something like that, trying to understand each other. You know what? God never made women to be understood by men. You won't find one verse in the Bible that tells you to do that. It says, husbands, love your own wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It, it, it tells wives to honor their husbands. And if you follow what the Bible says, you know what? You'll get along. Uh, those people that try to understand everything, uh, probably uh, I, I heard uh, Rush Limbaugh talking one day about understanding women. And, and then he made this caveat. He said, that's probably why I've been divorced three times. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, that probably is. It has something to definitely do with it. If you'll just follow God's program, it always works out. You see, God had intent. We have scientists today who do not really accept evolution, but they don't really accept God. And so they talk about uh, uh, purposeful design, but they don't talk about the designer. Uh, kind of like the AA people talking about a uh, greater power, but failing to recognize that greater power died on the cross in his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, and so as we move forward here, there was a promise of a coming Savior. That didn't happen until we get all the way down to the very end of the dispensation of law. And so, we move then into conscience. This was the fall to the flood. And uh, man was to approach God. Man was to sacrifice. God had instituted these things at the end of the garden here. And uh, um, then we come the judgment of the great flood. And after the flood, God designed the seasons. And uh, everybody's talking about... It's supposed to be six weeks till spring, and, and uh, it is freezing outside. i uh, talking to Brother Hiram today, and he said it was four degrees below zero in Fleshman's when he woke up this morning. I'm going, uh, it's cold here, but it's not that cold. And I uh, was actually talking to Brother Lydic in Nebraska and he said, we have more snow than we know what to do with. He said, there's just no place to even put it. We got six more inches last night. And my favorite thing hey, We still got two weeks for it to warm up before spring gets here. Amen? Uh, so, we'll, we'll see what happens. But seasons, uh, human government, mankind is supposed to take responsibility. Another way to look at it, at the end of... Innocence, God told Adam he had to take responsibility for his family. At the end of the flood, we are told society is supposed to take responsibility for society in capital punishment. And it's okay to eat meat. And yet man corrupted all of these things. And we have this guy Nimrod and God comes down and he divides the languages. And now God says, I'm going to deal with one man, one family, Abraham. And uh, then we have what we call the beginning of promise as uh, Abraham receives those promises through Isaac, miraculous birth. Isaac passes on those promises to Jacob. Again, a miraculous birth, but Esau was accepted from that. And then Jacob's family moves to Egypt and becomes a great nation. And the judgment under the promise is the destruction of Egypt. And God brings Israel out and he gives them the law. Now we have 613 commandments. How we're supposed to worship God is organized through the tabernacle. And you approach God through a priest, uh, a direct descendant of Levi. And the law continues until Jesus comes. And under the law, Jesus fulfills every tenet of the law. Never breaking it once. Um... Maybe I refer to this sometimes, but one of the reasons why we, again, refuse what is known as the Apocrypha and the Uh I believe it's the Gospel of Thomas that says Jesus as a little boy was playing with dirt on the Sabbath day and molding a, uh, a, a bird out of the clay. Well, if Jesus had been doing that, he would have been breaking the Sabbath and he'd be a sinner just like you and me. But when his mother caught him and corrected him, he gave the bird life and it flew out of his hands. You see, that's one of the reasons why we reject these books is because they say things about Jesus that simply is not true. There is no foundation anywhere in the Bible. There's nothing hidden there. There's just... bunch of foolishness and so uh, please please stick with the Bible once you master the 613 laws that are in the scriptures you can go look for another one Uh, but if you use the law lawfully what does it do it demands that I come to Jesus Christ because I cannot take away my sin amen Jesus, the judgment that God poured out on Jesus. If you stop and look at it, and this is one of the reasons why we we're teaching this. If you will understand that the judgment that God poured out on Jesus was greater than all of the combined judgments of every dispensation to this point. You know Why? Because God looked at the suffering of Christ, Isaiah 53, and what did he say? I'm satisfied. Did he say that after the flood? No. Did he say that after the Tower of Babel? No. Did God say it after Armageddon? There's no record of that in the Bible. He was satisfied Because all of the judgment of God for all sin throughout all ages was poured out on Jesus Christ. Because that is the only payment God accepts for sin. That was the payment for Adam's sin. That was the payment for our sin, and that is the payment for those that have yet to be born, if Jesus coming and all of these things, and we still have the tribulation period, and when we get to the kingdom, as we're going to be talking about in a few minutes tonight, if we are uh, instead of, uh, uh, of looking forward as Abraham and Moses did, we look backward to the finished. Work of Jesus Christ, and we will continue looking back. And when we get to the Book of Revelation, Jesus appears as a lamb that had been slain. How many of you remember that from Revelation chapter four? Because we are still looking back to the central point of all history, but it didn't happen at the center of history. Uh, you know, we have the reckoning before Christ and after Christ and uh, B.C. and A.D. after death is what people say, but the simple truth of the matter is we have come forward to this point about 6,000 years in human history. There are about 4,000 years before the birth of Christ. So far, we're somewhere in that neighborhood really i mean all my life i remember nearly 2000 years well that was 40 years ago so we're getting closer amen uh, another 15 or 12 or 15 years there and we'll or no only 114 years and we'll be right there at 33 but let's keep moving then we now live in the age of grace, also called the church age, or the dispensation of grace in the Bible. This goes from the resurrection of Christ to Armageddon. And uh, people try to make the tribulation a different dispensation. Now, one of the reasons we don't do that is because the book of Revelation tells us that they still have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that hasn't changed. The church is removed by the rapture before the tribulation begins. But Israel was removed from their land for 70 years and the temple was destroyed. Uh, uh, And so we we can see parallels in Scripture. God did not give any new revelation. What really changes is... The world is exposed to the kingdom of Antichrist. And, of course, the great final judgment will be the battle of Armageddon. The Bible tells us the blood will flow to the horse's bridle, somewhere in that four and a half, five feet, depending on how big the horse is, 120 miles up the Jordan River Valley. Now, you stop and think about the magnitude. Those that went on the... Our bike hike last year, we were went to the battlefield of Antietam. The single bloodiest day in American history was the Battle of Antietam, and uh, uh, we actually stopped there at the, what what is called the Sunken Road or Bloody Lane, where they, uh, the uh, the casualties had piled up that the blood was actually trickling down the road, about that deep. And uh, we still write about it. And there's a plaque there, and they're telling all this story. But think of the, what's going to happen at the Battle of Armageddon. In the tribulation period, seven years, somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the entire population of the world is going to be killed, one way or another. You, they, that, is, that would be, what, four and a half to five billion people in seven years. That that kind of death has never been paralleled in history and praise God won't be again. But how we serve the Lord today, and and this is what you have to understand is the church. I, I'm not here uh because this is really just a great living and I, I like yelling at everybody in the sermons and things. I have devoted my life to the church of Jesus Christ because it is the only way we can serve Jesus in this time. And this is part of the, the main thing I'm trying to uh, help people understand here at, at community that if you're not right with the local church, are you right with God? No. If you're not right with God, you're not supposed to take Communion. Hello? I mean, let's, let's put it out where it is. And this is part of the scope and sequence. And so now we are coming to what's going to happen here after the battle of Armageddon. And why don't we just turn in our Bible to Revelation chapter 19 and 20 here. And uh, Revelation chapter 19 is basically the battle of Armageddon. And yet, just as the the battle is uh, raging here, we have before the battle, uh, verse 19, let's just start. Chapter 19, verse 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, "Hallelujah." Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments for he hath judged the great horror which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand and again they said alleluia and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, And as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah! for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints." And he saith unto me, Right Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. But this is Jesus coming with the armies of heaven. And one thing that you, we need to understand here, who does the fighting in this portion that we read? Does, do the armies of heaven do any fighting? Is this deployment and have on your walkie talkies and everybody's uh, doing different things? No. The only soldier that is fighting is the Lord Jesus Christ that is leading. And if we'll understand that that is how we serve the Lord. Uh, Every so often somebody calls and they'll say, I'm having problem with demonic possession or somebody put a curse on me or "I, I have this and you know, um, Listen, if you will just get behind Jesus, if you will put him between you and the world, between you and your enemies, between you and the devil, guess where you will be? Protected. But if you're going to do like Eve did, And say, you know, God said you shouldn't touch it, but I'm going to protect the word of God. I'm going to honor the word of God. God said you shouldn't eat of it. Eve said you shouldn't touch it. I'll get that right. You see, she was trying to protect the word of God. So where was Eve? Standing out in front, and that's why she fell. Jesus is the one who does the fighting. Jesus is the one who does the protecting. What we need to do is follow Him. Do you know that that would hold true for the Garden of Eden? And it holds true for us today. It's all the way through the Scriptures. And verse Chapter 20, and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the, of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And, uh, we did not read the end of chapter 19. The beast and the false prophet were taken and they were cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the, the Bible tells us, John the Baptist said, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with the, and with fire. Do you think that's why the Bible calls it the lake of fire? Because you could be baptized in the lake now, couldn't you? And either you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ, or you're going to be baptized in the lake of fire. But you will be baptized one of these days. And baptism is eternal. You're either saved, you're lost. Now, we just read these verses here as Jesus is bound, the the devil is bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Verse 4, and I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. "...which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, nor had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished." This is the first resurrection. "...Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power." But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And we're going to stop right here. These six, seven verses here are really all that the Bible spends on the coming kingdom. There are many prophecies. Uh, You go to Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 12. Uh, uh, Many of the references are listed here. Zechariah 13 and 14 talk about different things here. Uh, The temple in Ezekiel. How many of you in your daily Bible reading have gone through the book of Ezekiel? And it's like, oh my, and this is like this. And so many rooms are like this. And they're built on like... And you just sit there and go, oh my. And there's people that have tried to build... Uh, models of the temple based on the the uh, uh, writing in the book of Ezekiel. And here's the thing that we found out. Never in the history of man has a building existed like is described in the book of Ezekiel. So what is the simplest and the most biblical understanding? Ah, we're going to see that temple in the kingdom. See, everything is fulfilled in the kingdom from the beginning of time now one point that i we we will touch on a little more uh later is uh i remember as a student in bible college and i've read mr ryrie's book and other people in my schofield reference bible and it talks about this difference between the kingdom of god and the kingdom of heaven and, and uh I'll tell you, be careful with those things because most of it is just simple imagination. Jesus gives the same parable and the same, uh, command in the book of Luke that he does in the book of Matthew and it says kingdom of heaven in Matthew and kingdom of God in the book of Luke. Uh, and I tried to figure out, okay, who reigns in heaven? God does. And so let's let's be careful making divisions that aren't necessarily very clear in the Bible. The kingdom of heaven is where God rules. The kingdom of God is where God rules. What did Jesus say? Lo, neither here nor the air the there the kingdom of God does not come with observation. The kingdom of God is within you. But the coming kingdom is going to be on earth. And Jesus is going to rule and reign from the city of Jerusalem. And it is going to fulfill all of the things. As these verses that we just read, God is going to physically rule in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate fulfillment to the prophecies made to David. That of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Jesus is going to rule for a thousand years here on earth. By the way, will that not be the fulfillment of all the prophecies that Jesus made to the church? Yes, it will. Will that not be the answer to the promises that God made to Abraham? This last dispensation, what we call the kingdom or the millennial kingdom is going to be the bringing together of all of the promises of God, the final fulfillment of everything. Israel will possess the land that God promised them. We have references in the Millennial Kingdom to the nation of Israel, to the patriarchs, to the church, and to those that are saved during the Millennial Kingdom. And they're all going to be together. Why? Because Jesus is the one that saved them all. Amen? And so, uh, as we read these verses, it it talks about in verse 4 the millennial, uh, the uh, tribulation saints. We get to, why don't you turn to Revelation chapter 21 and. uh, We'll uh, come down here and talk about the New Jerusalem for just a few minutes. Uh, Verse 12, it says... uh, Well, why don't we just start in... in, uh, Yeah, verse uh, 12, it says, And had a great wall high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written on their... Written thereon were the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And so we see the church, and we see the, the Old Testament saints are all there... Together, the tribulation saints are mentioned. And Jesus warned the scribes and the Pharisees in the book of Luke that you're going to see Abraham and Isaac and many from the east and the west come into the kingdom and you are going to be excluded from the kingdom of God because they would not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... As we follow these things, we get back to Revelation chapter 20. And uh, if we can just finish something here. Verse 7. And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now at the end of the kingdom and the end of this thousand years, the devil is loosed and he goes out and he deceives the nations. And what we have here is proof. In the perfect environment without sin, what did man do? Sin. When God left man up to his own conscience and said, You approach to me through a blood sacrifice, Cain brought the fruit of the earth. And man corrupted himself until God brought a flood. God said, I want man to take responsibility for society. And if someone commits murder, the society must execute the murderer. And we have Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, and they build the Tower of Babel to try to exclude God from the world which he created. Doesn't sound much different than what's going on today, now does it? And God came down and confounded their languages and called Abraham. And Abraham ended up sending his Family, not him physically of course Jacob took the family into the land of Egypt and Pharaoh enslaved them and tried to annihilate them and kill them and destroy the name of Israel and God judged Israel and brought them out a mighty nation somewhere around 2 million people in population and gave them the greatest and most moral law that man has ever known and yet what did the Jewish people do with the laws? He said, salvation belongs to us. I'm glad I'm not, uh, what was it, a woman, a Samaritan, or a dog. Or maybe it was a woman, a dog, or a Samaritan. I can't remember. That was one of the prayers that the Pharisees prayed that we have recorded in history. They thought it was all about them. But it wasn't. It's all about Jesus. Amen. And Jesus died on the cross and fulfilled all of God's judgment for all mankind in all history. And you and I have the privilege of meeting together as his body, the local church. We have the privilege of serving him through his church. If we could just realize what a privilege we have. What a great responsibility and heritage God has given us. And that we should not sacrifice that or lay that down in any way. But look around you. Is there any good thing in the Bible that man has not cursed and made fun of and tried to ignore? And redefine and change. Well, that's what man does. In the tribulation period, man is going to be given his kingdom. The kingdom of Antichrist will be what all of the great Caesars of Rome and Alexander before him, uh, uh, the the greatest kingdom land-wise that we know of was that of Genghis Khan. We talk about Western civilization, but the Mongols had an empire that stretched from China all the way into modern Bulgaria. And uh they kept track of it with guys riding little ponies back and forth. And they could send messengers long before we had the Pony Express. Uh, all of these things. But no one has ever ruled the entire earth. But the Antichrist will won't be able to buy a loaf of bread without his personal approval. You see, and people criticized the Bible for centuries, saying, how in the world could that be? Uh, With computers and all the technology we have today, does anybody question any of the fantastic things that are in the book of Revelation? In fact, you can turn on uh, some stupid Hollywood movie and they talk about uh, how many post- apocalyptic world movies have been made. Oh, my. Uh, And please, don't go researching them and watching them, all right? Waste of time. It's not what the Bible's talking about. But we move into the kingdom where Christ actually rules and reigns for a thousand years. The devil is let out, and what does he do? He tries to rebel against God one last time. Now, here at the end of this time, it says fire from God devoured them. and verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Now, notice your Bible here, where the beast and the false prophet, what? Are. Now, I know that's italicized. It's italicized because that is the tense of the verb's trying to help us understand, even though there's not an actual Greek word there, this is, in English, what is necessary for us to understand. The beast and the false prophet have been in the lake of fire for a thousand years. They're still there. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh, Which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death and whoever was found, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We had the first resurrection finished at the beginning of the kingdom. We then have the second resurrection, the second death mentioned here, and God's final judgment is on mankind. Now, there are many people who believe that the people who are still living on earth are going to continue living on earth and and, uh, that the human race will continue, but the simplest and the best understanding at this point is we have the end of all things as we know them. Those that have believed in God are going to continue into the eternal state. The the resurrection is past. We are finished. Those that have not believed in God are going to be judged. And it says every one of them is going to be judged by their works. How do you get to heaven? By the gift of God, which is through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're working your way, this is where you're going to end up. This is where everyone who is trying to earn their way to heaven is going to be judged. And the Bible tells us that there is only going to be one verdict. And that is guilty. This is a terrible time. This is a terrible thing to think about. But every person starting with Cain is going to be judged here at the great white throne. All the way through the last one that is burned up as they come past the city of Jerusalem at the end of the millennial kingdom. We then, as far as we know... We call the next thing, not another dispensation, we call it eternity future. You see, God did not begin in Genesis chapter 1. Amen? God has no beginning. Someone said, well, where did he come from? He didn't. He is the eternally existent one. That's what his name, I am that I am, simply means. And so we have eternity past, and we have the seven... Dispensations where God gives man revelation, man corrupts revelation, God judges him. God then sets seven complete scenarios and each one proves God is God. And the only way that man can obey God is by coming to God and surrendering to him and being obedient to the revelation that God has given him. We say one method of salvation, grace through faith. But faith produces works in obedience to faith. This is what James chapter 2 was. And, you know, people like to praise Martin Luther for being such a reformer and all of these things, but he wanted to take James chapter 2 out of the Bible because it talked about faith and works, and he was a Catholic, and he knew works didn't get you saved. Well, if you just understand James chapter 2 in the light of the Scripture, the works that faith produces are in response to the revelation that God has given that's why the Jewish people brought their sacrifices to the tabernacle and later to the temple in Jerusalem. That's why we assemble together in a church that is made up of people who are already saved and have already secured their eternity and have given a public testimony of that eternal life that they possess by being baptized. Amen. And so, as we move forward, we move into the state of what we call eternity future. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and we read through and uh, no we didn't and it says and i heard a great voice verse 3 out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and god himself shall be with them and be their god and god shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. How many of you are discouraged with what's going on in our country today? I, I certainly am. It, it, is, it is a tragedy. But I want you to understand something. Uh, you don't have to be around this church very long. I, I love America. I love what God has done. I love the history and I love teaching about it because there are so many parallels and so many things that have happened in this country because people believe this book called the Bible. That's how this country was founded. Different than any other nation in the history of man. But this is not the promised land. This is not the kingdom. Do you know why these jihadists run around blowing people up and all? Because they believe that they will bring God's kingdom into this earth. If you uh, have studied history at all, one of the greatest times of human depravity put on display was called the Crusades, where the Roman Catholic Church sent their armies to reclaim the Holy Land from the infidel or the Islamic people. You see, one of the reasons that the Catholics did that was because they thought it was their job to build the kingdom on earth for Jesus to come back to. Do you know what Jim Jones was doing in Guyana? Trying to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth. And the wacko from Waco, he was doing the same thing until Janet Reno got a hold of him. And then he wasn't doing anything anymore. But we just read how Jesus will establish his kingdom. He'll do the work. We'll follow behind him. Now, here's something for us to just understand. We're going to see many sad and tragic things happen to this world in which we live. But there's coming a day when Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David in the new Jerusalem and rule this world for a thousand years. And you and I are going to be a part of it. That's something to be encouraged about. And when the thousand years are done, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's not going to be any more sin and there's not going to be any more devil. And we will continue For all eternity with our Savior. And you know what that eternity is going to be about? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We've got two verses and then we'll be finished tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 7 that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 22, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ that is coming, then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Verse 30, I mean, 29 is a very difficult verse for many. It says being baptized for the dead. That is simply talking about martyrdom or losing your life for Jesus Christ. As Jesus talked about the cross, he said, I have a baptism to be baptized with. You see, the last verse of this chapter is the one that we need to think about. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. If you know it, say it with me. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. This is our direction. Don't get caught up in trying to figure out when the kingdom of God. Jesus will set up his kingdom at the end of the tribulation period. You know what you and I are going to do? If you're saved, we're going to be doing the same thing then that you ought to be doing now, following Jesus. Except I'm going to get a white horse that isn't going to bounce me out of the saddle. Amen? And I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Until then, I'll just deal with horsepower. Uh, But the simple truth of the matter is, my friend, we have a complete scope and every dispensation proves one thing. God is God, and man has failed. And if we will understand that Jesus is the one who does the fighting, then all we have to do is follow him. And even with all the terrible things that are going on in this day and time, we do not need to be discouraged. Because Jesus is coming. Things are going to get a whole lot worse before they get any better. But when Jesus reigns, there will be no national emergencies when Jesus is in control. Amen? Uh, There will be no great destruction. There will be no cataclysmic events. I look forward to that day. But when the kingdom is over, we will enter eternity with God praising Him and giving glory to Him because He is God. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. And Lord, we ask that You would help us to see and understand how good and how great You are. And Lord, I pray that we would be found following You today, tomorrow, and when we return with you at the end of the tribulation period and during the millennial kingdom and into eternity future, Lord, help us to be content with following Jesus. In your name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, if you'd like to come and pray, the altar's open.